welcome to Grow With The Flow podcast with your friend and host, Itzy. Here, we inspire each other to grow, grow professionally in our career aspirations, and grow personally with our life, relationships, and confidence, all while rolling with the punches, embracing the chaos, and growing with the flow. Hey everyone, happy new year. Welcome back to Grow With The Flow podcast. I'm your host, Itzy, and today we are spending time with Rosalind Davis. Rosalind is a writer, mindset coach, and breathwork facilitator. She is uniquely gifted with the ability to create a sacred space where folks feel seen, loved, and supported. Through sharing her words, she's committed to supporting and encouraging black and brown folks to take up space in their careers, relationships, and everyday lives. Throughout this episode, she'll share tools and personal experiences to live a grounded and fulfilling life. This is the perfect episode to kick off the new year with, so let's go ahead and welcome her. Hi, Rosalyn. Welcome to Grow With The Flow podcast. Hi, thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I'm so excited to have you here. I feel like I've been following you along for some time now and I'm always just like relaxed and you always like help ground me. So I'm really excited for our listeners to hear our chat. Oh, thank you for that reflection. I'm so happy that you feel that way. That's definitely one of the intentions of my work. So thank you. Of course. So why don't we start off by telling us how you're currently growing with the flow? Ooh, that's a good question. I am currently growing with the flow by just allowing instead of resisting. So right now I'm going through a lot of transitions in my life and in my business. And instead of resisting it and trying to hold on, I'm just allowing and going with the flow literally. So yeah, this is the perfect time to this conversation. <laughs> yeah, that's a great, that's a great tool and like practice that I feel so many of us can learn as we start a new year and with all the changes going on in everyone's life. So I really admire Absolutely. that. Absolutely. Yeah. So why don't you tell us a little bit about who you are and what really got you to where you are today? Okay. I'm going to try to keep it as short as possible. Um, So I am Roslyn. I am a certified breathwork facilitator, a mindset and clarity coach, a self-care writer, and I'm a new wife. And what brought me to where I am today was honestly discomfort. Um, back in, it started kind of like 20, I'd say 2016, there's a period of time where I just felt like I didn't know myself. I didn't recognize myself. I was living my life. I was making decisions that were informed by expectations that I had picked up from like my parents or, you know, at the time wasn't social media, but mostly like, you know, pop culture and the peers at the college that I went to, and I was doing a lot of things that really weren't in alignment with who I felt like I was on the inside and when I was by myself. And so I just went through this really intense season of like shedding and intentional transformation of getting to know myself again, like what do I like? What do I want to do in my life? How do I want to dress? What do I want to listen to? Um, And all of that, asking myself all those questions, it like shifted my mindset. And as a result, it literally just like transformed my 
whole life. Like when I think back to who I was in college and even like two years ago, I don't feel connected to that person at all. It feels like just a totally another like lifetime almost. Um, so yeah, what brought me here is just really curiosity and a deep desire to feel like peace of mind and feel alignment every single day. Yeah, I love that. I feel like that really resonates with me and just kind of this shift that is happening in my life as well as I'm trying to figure out who I'm becoming. And I've been doing a lot of therapy and trying to like really yes. unpack that. And like, I love that you mentioned also just like the parents' expectations because we, mm. like I grew up very like in a bubble and then coming to college and trying to um, adapt and be liked and fit in. And now with social media is another layer, layer on yes. top of it. So it's really good that you are teaching others to feel that same way and, and get there because it, it is really challenging and there's a lot, a lot of hard, uncomfortable work to do. So it's really powerful. Yeah, it really, really is. And I'm so proud of you and I commend you for doing that work, um, especially in college, because that's where it was really hard for me. Like I moved across the country to go to college. I went to Spelman College in Atlanta and I didn't know anyone there. So I had to make friends. And very early on, I felt like being myself wasn't what was going to make me friends. So I was just doing all the things that everyone else was doing, listening to like that kind of music and all the things. And so college is a really hard place to, to rediscover yourself. So I am really proud of you. <laughs> well, to be fair, I didn't, I, I graduated five years ago and I, until I met my fiance, it's when I started like really. Congratulations. Thank you. Congratulations to you as well. Thank you. <laughs> um, but just that shift, like that's really powerful, you know, spending your life with someone else and like still missing a part of you. Like, I think that kind of forced me a little bit to be like, okay, I need to get serious and realize what it is that I want. But there's just so much, so much there to unpack. Yes. Oh my gosh. Getting married and even getting engaged was also another huge shift in my life because my husband and I were long distance our entire relationship up until we got married. So it was my first time like living with someone else and having to like think about someone else when I spend my money and like communicate every single day. So being in partnership was really so far like my biggest invitation to growth. And it, it showed me like, you know, how vulnerable, how raw can you be like how unconditional can you love can you love yourself that same way there's so many lessons in partnership we can move on but there's so many lessons there maybe we'll talk about it another day yeah yeah i mean it's it's so true and i think that it's almost easier to detach yourself from those feelings but when you're diving in it's like almost really scary but it's, scary. it's necessary yeah. so it's 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 so powerful so thank you again you're welcome yeah Tell us what tools you use to check in with yourself when you're having those shifts or you're having a bad day or maybe in a funk or maybe you're having a great day. What tools do you use daily? Yeah, great question. Um, tools is like my jam. I feel like we all have this toolbox that we carry with us to um, either like cope or to heal through and we're not even aware of like what's actually in our toolbox a lot of the time. Um, and so one thing that I taught myself early on is like, I need to have these tools to deal with things and to process things and to feel things. So this is a great question. And I so appreciate you for asking this. My first tool always like my obsession is writing, like journaling, 
expressive writing, even communicating with others through writing is just like, it's my holy grail because I think of like, I think of feelings and thoughts and emotions as energy. And when they live in my head for too long, I can like physically feel that in my body. So like for three years ago, before I left my job, I was getting migraines every single day when I was at my desk in the office. And as soon as I would get back to my apartment, like it would just be gone. And I was like, what is happening? But what I noticed is that there's like, there's energy that lives in us. And so for me, writing is a way for me to move that energy through my body out into the world, out onto the paper, out into the computer or whatever it is. Um, and it, as you said, like even during a good day too, because I, one thing I've been learning is how to, how to honor the exciting moments and how to celebrate the big moments, not just make, you know, the sadness a big deal, but also the excitement and the joy. And so writing is like my biggest tool. Um, so journaling is a big part of what I teach my, my clarity coaching clients. And it's very, it could start very simple and get like kind of complex because my writing right now is kind of complex, but it gets hard as simple as just checking in in the morning, asking yourself like what's present for me today. And that seems like a really simple question, but it, it, it asks you to, to pause and actually really take inventory of like, what am I holding? Am I feeling sad today? Okay. That's weird like when did I start feeling sad what was I watching or what did someone say that made me feel this way or am I holding excitement today what am I looking forward to what can I not wait to talk about or to eat or to see or smell or whatever um and so I think so writing is so powerful it's a way for us to to release energy and a way for us to kind of record and like remember our day-to-day -day. so like like 20 years from now when I look back at 2020 journals I'm gonna be so thankful that I had you know a meditation practice and a prayer practice to carry me through this crazy year but in 20 years that might seem like not a big deal you know and so just having a record of these things it can remind us of our strength and our resilience and our just memories um and then yeah did i answer the question yes it was <laughs> it was a tool writing is a tool and, and you can tell you're passionate about writing <laughs> <laughs> i really am it's just it's my favorite so that is my my number one were you always a writer or how did that start because sometimes it can feel like a little bit of a chore and like feels like oh do i really want to waste time and yes. it sounds really bad, but like waste time writing when I can just get on with my day. But I've noticed that it makes a big difference in the long run. Yeah, time. that I mean, that's a perfect question because even it even feels like a chore to me, honestly. And I've been a writer since I was able to hold a pencil. Like my parents have journals and coloring books and notebooks. And I used to write on the wall, like when I was three and four and five, and I have this journal from the fourth grade. And I was talking about how my brother wouldn't pass me the basketball and that made me sad. And he got in trouble. Like I've just always been a writer. I've always, for some reason, well, I know the reason now is to help others, but I've always just been this person that records everything, like my feelings and what's going on. So I've always been a writer. But as I've gotten older, especially this year, I 
have drifted from it more than I had in previous years because it did one, it started to feel like a chore, just wanting to cross off of my like self-care to-do list. And also I noticed for me, there was some resistance of what might come out on the page. Like once I write this thing, I have to look at it and then it's real. So yeah. it's like, do I really want to write down that I'm self-sabotaging myself and then deal with how to move through the self-sabotage? Yeah. Mm, I'd rather not. So I'm going to just go on, start my day. I'm going to check my email. I'm going to do like the other things, you know? Yeah. So one thing that I have, I gifted myself with in my journal practice is just really grace. Like we can write it down and acknowledge it but we don't have to really deal with it at that moment. Like we have the power of choice. It's there for us to deal with or to live with. Like we get to do whatever we want. But one thing that really helped me like come back to the pages, as I call it, is giving myself that grace of like, just write it down and it'll be here whenever you're ready to get to it. Because same, like this year, I was just like, I cannot write this morning. I don't want to see it. I don't want to talk about it. I can't do it today. <laughs> yeah. I'm so glad you brought that up because that was my next question. Like, I feel like I'm scared to write it down because that makes it real. Like my anxieties and my worries, like my insecurities, all of that coming onto paper. Like it makes me emotional just talking about it because it's yeah. like, I don't want them to come reality. And I think that's the thing when I was mentioning about detaching from your feelings, but like, I really like that we can give ourselves grace and we don't have to deal with them at that moment. So, yeah, yeah. I love that. Thank you for that share. Cause I think a lot of people will resonate with that. And one thing that I wrote on my Instagram a couple of years ago is that I found that sitting with, well, at the time I wrote sitting with sadness, but sitting with discomfort, it, it'll bring you more peace than resisting it. Because I think of it as like, when you feel discomfort, that's already like one emotion. And then when you put resistance on top of that, now you're like weighing yourself down even more, as opposed to just sitting with the discomfort and like letting it be what it is. And then eventually like, it'll go away or, or you'll move through it. But adding that resistance on top just makes it more of like a, oh, I want to do this, you know? And so I just had to let myself just be open to feeling the discomfort and exploring it like, why don't I want to talk about this thing? Why don't I want to address this thing? And once I have that knowledge, I can, you know, change it or not. But knowledge is, is power. Yeah, that's so powerful. Thank you for sharing that. I really, truly resonate with all of that. And I'm going to look into hiring you for next year because I think we all need a little bit of you. <laughs> um, so you talk a lot about breath work. Like you share a lot about that on your platform. Ooh. Um, and I myself do a lot of yoga and I think that's, uh, that's what gets me through the years this year. Unfortunately, yeah. I had to cut back on my hot yoga membership. Um, but I do do a little bit of meditating, stretching, and just breathing and checking in with myself. Um, but I'd love to hear what you think is the importance of breath work and some of the best techniques for that. Yes. Another great question. You are just amazing. <laughs> so the most powerful benefit to me of the technique that I teach, which is revelation breath work, is that you don't have to do anything but breathe. Like the breath does the work for you. And that felt, I felt called to learn this technique because I am someone who was like, I'm a recovering like people pleaser. I think I always have to be like doing the thing, writing the thing, saying the thing, like performing the thing. But with breath work, all I have to do is lay there and listen to the playlist and breathe. 
in through my belly, in through my chest, out through the mouth, and that's it. And that is, I received some of the biggest shifts and and transformations from doing that technique than I have being in therapy for five years or that I've been journaling for 25 years. Like it's just so simple and so powerful. And it's just a reminder to me and all of my clients, like you don't have to always be doing, you don't have to do anything to be worthy of a transformation, to be worthy of change. Like it's already in you. Like we breathe without even having to think about it. And as naturally as we breathe, that's how naturally we deserve inspiration and we deserve clarity and abundance and freedom. And so with this technique, um, what we do is you and I, the client and I, we create a playlist that's 30, 30 minutes to an hour long. And then as the playlist is playing, like the clients are laying down and I'm guiding them through the technique, but I'm also leading them through like whether it's a meditation or like a visualizing practice, or if I get a download of something like what I feel is random to just say to them, I'll say it. And a lot of times what happens is they'll tell me afterwards, like, wow, how'd you know that I was going through that? And I'm like, I don't know. I just, I prayed before the session and that's just what came through. Um, And so I think it's so powerful. It's a reminder that we don't have to do anything to be, to receive, we just have to breathe. Um, And so a quick, I mean, even outside of, of my technique, I think it's important to just every morning start with a couple of deep breaths, maybe five in through the nose and out with the mouth and just literally feel like the difference in your body, how much calmer you might feel, how much more grounded you might feel, um, how much more safe you might feel if you were worrying about the future, like what the day holds. The, the breath is so powerful and it's like a natural tool that that we're born with. And that's why I'm so passionate about it. Yeah. And that's, I, I think that's one of the important grounding techniques that you mentioned as well like I just heard from a friend that if you walk out like barefoot that that is so grounding and I I I find just like going outside and walking in nature just so grounding as well um what are some of your other favorite grounding practices yeah ooh, meditation I'm newer to meditation than a lot of my other like wellness coaching friends but it's really been so helpful for me because I feel like as a business owner or a creative or visionary or whatever, I'm always in my head and I'm always thinking like five months ahead. Like what's the next project? What's the next initiative? What's the next session? Like I'm always like ahead of everybody else. And so meditation really allows me to calm down and bring myself back into the moment. And remember that like this exact moment is all that is exists. Like the past already happened. It's gone. The future is not here yet, but like we're in the right now. So meditation is my quickest way to like get myself together when I feel like I'm doing too much. But when I can, I like to go outside and go for a walk. Running is not my thing. I can't, I just, I can't, but going outside and like just walking for a couple of minutes, getting some fresh air, um, taking my shoes off when it's safe. I love to feel the earth and feel the ground. And then I also am newer to like, I don't want to call it sunbathing, but it was like laying in the sun and feeling the warmth of the sun on me. Something about that is like so magical. I feel like my body's getting like charged up. So yeah, being outside and meditation is like, that's my jam. Yeah. I think we're like on the same page. Like I love 
when I do get to meditate because I feel like it takes a lot of effort and a lot of time and it's like I really want to show <laughs> up for myself and be committed I don't want to like half-ass it and be thinking right about anything, but that's part of it um but the sunbathing as well like it feels like your 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 skin is just glistening or transcending and you're just like at peace Seriously. and it sounds so cheesy but I think this year has really taught us that those little tiny glimpses of like hope and joy are so important in every day. Exactly. So something I've been struggling with this year, actually, I think I've gotten better at it. But the past years, I feel like setting boundaries for myself and just (laughs) mentally with family, with your significant other, with friends. How do you create boundaries mentally and and stick with them? This is a great question. And as we were asking it, like, something, like, came up in me. It's like, oh, you can't answer this question. You don't have boundaries. But then I was like, I actually do. And I'm getting so much better. (laughs) So as I was saying, like, I used to be a people pleaser, like, nobody's business. Like, I, I would pick up friends in not even the middle of the night, like, early in the morning, from the middle of nowhere, I would answer my phone any hour of the day. I would give my grocery money away if someone else needed it. Like it was bad. And and to the point where like, I couldn't even take care of myself. And what I learned from that was I wasn't giving from a place of like wanting to really take care of people and wanting to, and wanting other people to feel supported. I was more giving from a place of like, I wanted to feel needed. And every time you need me, you know, you can depend on me because that neediness made me feel like I was worthy and I had something to offer and I'm a good friend and all of this stuff. So I started setting these boundaries once I realized that like, how much I give isn't the measurement of my worthiness, but more so like how I show up for myself and take care of myself. So then I started to ask, okay, where am I not showing up for myself? I am not sleeping. I am not eating proper meals. I do not have gas in my car. Um, I am like spending I don't know, seven hours a day on my phone. So I just, I just ask like, where are all the places that I'm not showing up for myself and I'm like overextending to others. Um, and then the next step of that is, okay, if these are the places that I'm not showing up for myself, what does showing up for myself in this space look like? That means going to bed at 10 PM. How do I go to bed at 10 PM? Put on, do not disturb. Um, at the time there wasn't downtime or screen time on Apple, but that's what I use now. Um, I use screen time to where like after four hours of social media a day, which I still think is a little bit too much, my phone just shuts off social media. And if that means that I don't get to everyone's DM today and I don't reply to all the comments, that's just what that means because I need to recharge and refuel myself so that when I come back tomorrow, we're going to have a great combo. We're going to laugh. We're going to kiki, like all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, so back to the process when I realized where I'm not showing up, asking what does showing up look like? And then what conversation do I need to have to like create this boundary? And you know, what app do I need to download? What 
I don't know, like what club at the time do I need to like not be a part of, you know, on campus? Um, taking inventory of where where I'm not showing up and how can I do that? So with family, I remember I was telling my husband this yesterday, when I went to college, uh, my mom used to call me every single day of first semester. And it was so hard because I miss my mom and I would talk to her, but also like I was in a whole new state where it's a three hour time difference. I have classes, I'm trying to make friends. I was talking to a guy and I'm like, mom, I'm trying to like build my new life and you're three hours behind me. Like I can't talk on the phone every day. It's not that I don't want to talk to you, but I need to be fully present in the life that I'm trying to build in Atlanta to be a successful like human. Um, and that was really tough. And my mom was like sad and we didn't talk for a couple of days and she was like, you just left me. And I'm like, no, that, that wasn't to upset you, but it was to be a better me, a me that would like make you proud, like, you know, four years later after I graduate. Um, and it was a lot of tough conversations, even now, like with my husband, he's the first person that I've ever, no, the first partner that I've ever lived with. Um, and I work from home and he, well, he works from home now because of COVID, but normally he doesn't. And I have to tell him like, when you hear me talking, I'm probably on a call or I'm probably recording. So please do not come in or like, can you knock or, you know, just text me before you want to come in the office. Just these small asks to let others know that like I need to do this thing for me and it'll mean a lot to me if you could also be active in this process. Yeah and you're normalizing it for them because they're they're going to know and respect you so much more and they will also set boundaries for themselves so you know how to treat them which is really important as well because I've had those conversations with my parents like the other day my dad called me I was eating dinner and it was just a habit and I answered and I'm (laughs) like and I had already I had a tough day and it was like when I'm talking to my dad, it's usually like finance because I he I pay him for my cell phone bill. Like, did mm-hmm. he have a baby yet? Or it's business or it's about my car. It's something like related to that. And I'm like, I do not have time for this. I was like, dad, <laughs> can I call you tomorrow at, at like 10? Because I had to give him a time and everything. He's like, sure. And he respected it. And I was like, oh yeah. And then we hung up and it was wonderful. And I my heart was racing while I was saying that. But there's been so much work that I've put into it and he respects it now and he does the same for me. And I think that it it goes beyond saying, but like we've been conditioned to like, you know, Mm -hmm. respect our parents and like we kind of as women too, just like, just go with it. But there's just so much, so many changes to be made. And I think the more that we make that a habit, the better we're normalizing it. So. Yes. And I love what you said about your like, allowing them to set boundaries for themselves too because as parents at least like for my family and like in a in a a family of color there really aren't any boundaries it's like do whatever you can for your kids do whatever you can for your family do everything but it's like no like as a parent you deserve to have quiet time you deserve to like keep some mind to yourself and not give it all to me because I'm your kid. Like parents deserve to have their own boundaries too. And um, I was listening to Brene Brown's podcast called Unlocking Us. And she was telling a story about, she just came home from from like a book tour and her son had um, like, I think it was like a, soft, a baseball game or something when she just got home from tour. And she was telling herself like, I have to go to this game. Like a good mom would sacrifice and go to the game. And then she told herself, she's like, I, I literally can't. I'm so tired. And so after the game, she didn't go. 
and her son came home and she was telling him like why she didn't go and she's like I'm so tired and mom needs to rest and I want to rest to be a good mom for you and he's like okay and he's like I understood and then the next day was like his birthday or something and for his birthday he was like I just want to be in my room and I want to take a nap and she was like what do you mean and he's like well yesterday you told me that we're allowed to ask for time to rest and we're allowed to be alone. And so I want that too, but I know that I was allowed to ask for that. And that literally gave me chills because it's like, once you set boundaries and you give yourself freedom, you give other people permission to do the same. And that was just, that little boy was like, I know I could take a nap when I want to. And I was just like, oh my God. So what you said was perfect of like, when we give ourselves permission, we give others permission as well. Yeah. And that reminds me, we're going off track now, but my little sister comes (laughs) and spends time with me sometimes and she's 10 years younger than me. And she loves her alone time. And I kind of have trouble sometimes when she's just like, she tells me no. And I'm just like, oh, but, but I tell no to my parents and, you know, I'm setting those boundaries. So right. I have to respect that. And just because she's 10 years younger than me, doesn't mean that she doesn't need her space and that she doesn't yeah. have her own boundaries. And it was, I it came to realization when I was talking to my therapist and she's like, did it like, does it offend you when like she's setting her boundaries? Because sometimes my fiance tells me no. And I'm like, I'm a Taurus, so I'm always like, I'm very stubborn and I don't take no for an answer. So I, right. I'm having to learn learn that like, if I get to say no, then other people get to also. Exactly. It's a beautiful cycle. We all get to say no. It really is. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, you mentioned earlier about this year you've been trying to release expectations and that's really hard, I think, for a lot of people um, because that's what we've just been conditioned to do. Like we just have expectations for everything. But it, it's a lot of work to shift that mindset, I imagine. What does that process of identifying those expectations look like? And how do we get like our inner peace back if we do uh, at all? <laughs> oh my gosh. So I just finished a whole week long journal challenge on this with my community at Taking Up Space. And I thought that you know, I had done the work. I made this challenge. Like clearly I've overcome this thing already. Right. But did I learn some things? Um, so this, this, I didn't even realize that I had expectations to release until literally this time last year when my husband proposed to me, it was super like surprising and it was romantic. And it was just like, I I was like floored. It was beautiful. And when he proposed, I I always imagined that I'd be that person who's like boohoo crying and I'm going to like get down on the floor with him and be like, oh my God, like just be hysterical, right? And when he proposed, like I was in shock. Like I literally almost fell because my knees were like shaking so bad and I was excited and I was sweating, but I didn't cry. Like there was not one tear in sight. I mean, maybe, but it wasn't mine. And I was like, what does this mean? Like, am I not excited to marry him? Am I not happy? Was I not surprised? Like, why am I not crying right now? And that whole, I mean, I would say maybe the whole, that rest of that week, I was so in my head of like, why didn't I cry? Do I not want this? Like, what does this mean? Did he not work hard? Like I was just all over the place with it. And that took me out of enjoying a super special once in a lifetime moment. And it took me into my head. So then I had to backtrack and realize like, okay, why did I even have this expectation that I was going to be boohoo crying? 
And I learned that that came from watching hella Instagram proposals and watching all these like rom-coms and like 90s love movies, like people are crying hysterically. And that expectation came from, you know, like things in pop culture, but it doesn't necessarily like align with my personality. I'm not, I mean, I'm definitely a crier, um, but not in like public spaces. Like I cry in therapy and I cry when I'm writing, but I don't really cry a lot in public. So thinking about it, like, why would I ever expect to do that? Right. It doesn't just, it doesn't align with me. Um, and so that's when I started to learn that I had expectations for myself that didn't really come from me, but other sources. And so I started to dig deeper, like, where else do I hold these things? And so I held expectations around like work and career um, that I learned from where I went to college. I went to an all black H, an all black girls school. And so the climate there was very competitive, like who's going to have the best job, who's going to make most money, who's going to have the best person, the best car and the best like husband and all these things. And so I had a lot of expectations placed on me just from going to that kind of institution. Um, and then, you know, being a, I guess, mid-20s Black woman, I'm supposed to have a snatched waist, and I'm supposed to have my hair laid, and my edges laid, and, like, all these things that weren't what I really wanted, but what I had picked up from what I was watching, and what I was hearing, and where I was living, and who I spent my time with. Um, and so my first step in, like, letting go of these things was realizing, where did I even get these things from, which was, like I said, school, work, family, whatever. Um, and then my next step was looking at the decisions that I made or the behaviors that I have that were informed by these unaligned expectations. And so one of those at, um, at the time was I was working a nine to five job. I was an office manager at a psychology practice because I thought that after college, you get a nine to five job and you work your way up in that job and you you know, have benefits and all that like cool, amazing adult stuff. But that wasn't something that I really wanted to do. That was never, I never had the goal to be a corporate person. I never in my life wanted to be an employee, but that's what I learned from going to college and from watching my parents work and create life for me. Um, and so I just examined like, what are the decisions that I've made that are informed by expectations that I don't even want? And then the next step was, well, what does my life look like if I let go of these things? Like, where would I be working? How would I wear my hair? What would I dress like? What kind of man or other person would I date? Like, just asking myself these questions that I never even thought about because all the answers were just given to me as I'm growing up. So finally asking these, like, exploratory questions. Um, and then after asking those questions and answering them, which took quite some time because there was still resistance of leaning into that conditioning and, and what I've learned. And so after having um, the answers, making the decisions that align with my new answers. So that looked like leaving that nine to five job that made me sick. That looked like breaking up with my partner at that time who didn't love me in a way that I wanted to be loved. Um, that looked like changing. I think I, at that time I cut my hair off. Yeah, like I cut all my hair off. I was like, I just can't do it anymore. So I cut all my hair off and I started to dress different. And so making these um, new, more aligned decisions. And then the last step, I would say, is having like some protections in place. 
because once you like releasing something, it's not, you're not destroying it. You're just letting it go. So it could go anywhere else. It could come back to you, but creating these like protections so that if it does come back, you don't have to grab it and hold on to it anymore. So that looked like um, writing some affirmations and writing out what do I expect of myself? What do I expect of a partner? What do I expect to, to feel in my work um, and, and in my job? And so every time something comes back or every time someone tries to remind me of my past or I get offered a nine to five job, I'm like, nope, because I expect to feel free to not work. So I cannot work for you. So just having these things that remind me of what I, what I release and how I work so hard to release them. Yeah, that's amazing. It's it's like a did you say four step? Was it four step process? I was like trying to Yeah. There's, yeah. there's a yes, yeah, there is a fifth step. I it's escaping me right now, but there's a five step process and I'll send it to you. It was a part of my journal challenge I just created. Okay. Yeah, we can definitely we'll share everything on the show notes because I really want them um our listeners to benefit from all your teaching, but I really appreciate you also bringing in race and identity, you know, myself as like a Latina woman with immigrant parents, like I felt like there was this I couldn't let them down. Like my whole life has right. been like, you know, I owe them so much. And and then it goes back to what we started talking about, just like discovering ourselves and really jotting down our values and who we are independent, independently away from our relationships. Um, but I wonder, like, at what point do you like stop setting expectations, but also hold yourself accountable? Because I think there's a, there's like, I think I struggle with a fine line between okay, well, it's not meant for me. I got to let it go. That's not, I I shouldn't have high expectations, but also like I deserve, I need to know my worth. And I also need to hold myself accountable for what is mine or what I want to work towards. Yeah. Oh, oh my God. Another good question. You are like, this is your jam. You're so good at this. (laughs) (laughs) So one thing that, that I, that just sticks with me every day um, when it comes specifically to work and, and being accountable is that I expect to give my best every day. And with the knowing that my best is going to look different from day to day. So my best in 2018 is way different than my best in 2020 because of the conditions that we're living in, right? And so sometimes my best will look like making myself breakfast and going for a walk and listening to meditation and that's all I can give y'all today. And other days, it will look like having three client calls and recording a podcast and writing a, 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 a workbook or whatever. But knowing that at the end of the day, I did the best that I could for myself and for those that depend on me. And so when it comes to holding myself accountable, I've had to have like some real talks with myself. There's a difference between like, giving myself grace and being lazy so and I struggle with it because I want to lay in the bed all day and I want to watch Netflix but there's things that need to get done right and so there's a difference between um giving yourself grace and being lazy and what I think the difference is is being accountable so like the other day I watched probably seven episodes of Blacklist so that's seven hours of tv which is ridiculous but I at the end of the day I, I didn't write what I wanted to I didn't send emails but I had to ask myself like was this the best that I could do today or am I avoiding doing the hard work that's going to bring responsibility of caring for other people's souls and the answer was actually the latter like I have been working hard so did I deserve rest yes that much rest or rest in that form 
maybe not. So the answer was, I, I really, I, I was avoiding like having to do work. And so being accountable just comes down to like having these, um, I don't want to say hard, but having these like honest talks with yourself of, did I really do my best or did I kind of, you know, did I not really reach the bar today? Yes, 100%. I'm, I'm right there with you. I think <laughs> I also, I've been binge watching everything. Like we just binge watched The Undoing. Um, and I just really I like it. I saw it on your story. I can't wait to okay. watch it. Yes, yes. You have to watch it. It's really good. Um, and it's really quick too. And we've been binge watching Queen's Gambit, all those shows. Oh, but same, I feel like, same. But I'm also like, okay, but it's going to be there after my work. Like my work needs exactly. to get done and the show is still going to be there. Um, and I, I go back and forth and it's, it is hard work. Like you have to talk to yourself and be like, what am I, what is my goal? Am I, is this taking me one step further to reach my goal? And do I need rest? Am I burnt out? Like, because that's real. Right. And that's fine. It, it can, 2020 is a whole different year. So things can, right, right. can I think I just come back to like, what is it that I'm trying to focus on today? And did I show up for myself as best as I can? And maybe that means, like you said, binge watching a show, answering emails while I'm binge watching a show. Sure. What right, I, right. Like, <laughs> I think it's just like a matter of choosing. And for me, I struggle because I'm like, I want to be doing everything. Like I want to be, I want to wake up early and go out and shoot. And I want to come back and record a podcast episode, which I did today. But after this, I want to go you. out. <laughs> I want to have a drink and watch and watch TV. So it's like a matter of like, what are you really like willing to lose out on? So you yeah. just gotta like really reflect on that. And Think then it's that. like, what's the point of reaching your goal if you are not like physically and mentally well to enjoy what you've been working for? Like that literally yeah. makes no sense. Exactly. And you're gonna look back on your like twenties with your partner and like the most I mean, I wouldn't call this the most beautiful time of our lives, but it's very significant. <laughs> <laughs> but it's quite significant, right? And it's yeah. like what was I spending that time doing? Like it's really it's really important and we don't think about that until we're old and look back like shoot yeah exactly I know that I think I've heard from you that you're also a recovering perfectionist um and I find myself with like work especially like being a workaholic and attaching everything to like our worth to our work um and I think that that says a lot about just today's society any tips that you have for like unlearning this idea of that we have to be on all the time and we have to be working and just in order to be valuable or worthy? Yeah, great question. And something that I am also really passionate about because I, like I said, am a recovering perfectionist. And so the the way that I talk about it is like, think of like humans, like babies. When babies are born, we love them so much. We want to buy them so many clothes and so many outfits and take pictures of them. Like babies are worthy of everything when they cut they're worthy of all of our attention all of our love all of our time all of our money like we give babies everything when they're born right and what do they do to earn that nothing but be born but come into this world and cry and eat and use the bathroom that's literally it they did not work they did not talk to us they did not read us their bio they didn't give us a service like they did nothing to be worthy of all the goodness in the world and that is as simple as I can like explain it is that's where our worthiness comes from is being born. If we did not have a purpose or a passion or anything of value to add to the earth, then we wouldn't be alive. Like every human is a blessing. And that's 
like period. If, if we were not worthy, we wouldn't be alive. And so, I mean, it sounds like, it sounds very simple to say, but putting it in practice is like hard to remember, obviously. And so one of the, the like ways that I remember this is when I talk to people, when like literally just my friends or my family or a random person on the street, that is when I feel like I'm really using my power and I'm using my gifts and I'm using love as a tool and as a gift. And that I think is what makes me worthy is like using what I was born with, not what I can create on my own. Like I can create a journal practice, a workbook, a deck. I can create all of the things and none of that will give me the worthiness that I'm seeking more than what I was born with, which was, which is love. And so it's really, it's really hard to remember, <clears throat> excuse me, especially in a capitalist society where everyone is talking about money and, you know, charge what you're worth and get paid what you're worth. And I, I, I can't subscribe to that because I feel like we were born worthy and it's, it's, it's invaluable. So if I was charging you my worth, like you couldn't afford it because it's just, it's too expensive. Yes. And so I think that we need to stop saying like, charge your worth, get what you're worth because you have what you're worth. You have life and you have breath and you have love. And I don't mean that in like in a, in a partnered way or a friendship way, but you have love from God, from the divine, from whatever it is that you believe in, that's where worthiness comes from. And so I think one thing I'm passionate about and I want to talk more about next year is like separating worthiness and money that those are two different conversations um and so I hope I answered your your, (laughs) your question I think that was so beautiful I'm like you just like made my heart so happy and like I I feel like I haven't heard anyone tell me that you know like you have permission to like not have to create and that's not your worth and you're alive and that's that speaks volumes and that's not said enough you know especially on social media and in our upbringing it's like we really have to work hard to get what we're worth so yeah, yeah. Ourselves, rather than seeking external validation. So that, that was beautiful. Thank you. <laughs> you're welcome. Thank you for receiving it. Of course. So you're the creator of We Are Taking Up Space and I'm so proud of you. It's amazing, an amazing platform. Um, Thank you but so much. As someone who tries to take up space on a day-to-day basis unapologetically, what does that look like for you and how do you encourage people to do that? Yeah. Um, we talked about it a little bit earlier, the main, like what it looks like for me right now is just setting those boundaries and my boundaries, I'm not going to lie, are like pretty firm. And I would say maybe a little bit like abnormal for someone my age, but similar to your sister, like I need a lot of time alone, like to process, to create, to dream. Um, and so for me, taking up space is advocating, taking up space right now looks like advocating for myself to have that alone and that quiet time. And it also looks like speaking up for myself. So when I was in college and I was trying to make friends and like maintain friends, a lot of things were said that I didn't necessarily agree with or I didn't understand. But just because I wanted to keep those friendships, I just like let it go. Or I didn't say anything or I agreed. Even if, even if I knew I did not agree, I agreed anyway. And so a couple of ways that taking up space shows up for me 
is one advocating for myself, like for my needs and even for what I want to, um, asking questions to gain clarity. And that's one that I've had trouble with, with my friends. People think that I'm asking questions to like prove a point or to like change their mind, but like I genuinely just or something. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> But I genuinely just do not understand. So can you please give me some clarity like yeah. on this thing? So that was like, a that was a really like big one for me and my friends was me asking more questions because I was, I was always the go with the flow person, right? So asking a question and they're like, what, why that? Like, you don't trust me. And I'm like, no, I just don't understand. So um, advocating, asking questions, um, speaking up, I don't agree, which for me felt risky as a people pleaser. Um, I was like, I, I don't want to rock the boat or shake the table. So, um, speaking up and disagreeing has been a really big one for me. And, um, what else? And, and, and prioritizing joy. I think a lot of people are comfortable with like experiencing joy, like when it comes along or whenever you can, whenever you can, it feels good. But for me, I want to purposely like cultivate joy. Like how can I laugh? today? How can I smile today? And that's really important to me because I think that joy is what will sustain us through the moments in time like this. So we really need joy. So cultivating joy, um, even when it makes others uncomfortable, that is really important to me too. And taking up space is just the, the, the belief, the commitment to the belief that I belong here and I deserve to be seen and heard while I am here. Yeah, and it sounds so simple, but it, I think about it in the workplace or in the classroom or even in relationships, like how taboo it is that you don't you don't get to really like speak up to your supervisor and tell them like, this is how I feel about this other coworker. Or this is I'm not feeling comfortable with this conversation or you said something really rude. Like it just it feels <laughs> like you have to ask for permission. And that's part of being un- unapologetic, as long as obviously you're being kind and you're not harming anyone. Right, right. It's a way to do it. But um, yeah, advocating for yourself is, is like the number one thing that I'm still learning, especially in the workplace. Yeah. And it's super hard in the workplace too. So I also work a job outside of coaching. I'm a movement and a grant advisor at a philanthropy fund. And so we deal a lot with like people and their needs and wanting to have money, wanting to have money ASAP. And it can kind of be um, like sometimes a stressful environment. And so I feel like it's hard to speak up when I feel like my job or my money depends on it. And that comes back to just remembering that like our worthiness is not dependent on how much we can produce or how nice we are or how pleasant we are to work with or whatever. And if, if speaking up in order for ourselves to feel safe um, costs us our job or costs us like money, then in my opinion, that's not a place that I need to be working because I don't even feel safe here. So I I understand what you're saying. Yeah. One of the things I really struggle with is making decisions. And in the beginning of our episode, you talked about how you're making a lot of changes and there's a lot of shifts happening. How do you trust yourself and align yourself to know that it's the right decision? I know you talked about leaving your job and, um, you know, starting your own business. I feel like it's it's so scary, especially the world that we're living in now. Mm -hmm. Um, How do you center yourself and just trust yourself to kind of take that dive? That 
And again, perfect question. <laughs> because one of the three pillars of what I guide my clients to do is how to cultivate self-trust. Because when you're taking up space, you're taking risks and you have to trust that you're doing the right thing. So excellent, excellent question. And the way that I have done it is using my um, prior experiences as evidence of the future truth. So for example, leaving, leaving my job, um, I left my office job in 2018, I think it was. Um, and before that, when I was in college, I worked at Ulta. And before that, I worked at like Jamba Juice in high school. Like I've, I've had jobs, not many, but I've had jobs before. And so when I, was, when I left the office job, I asked myself, will my needs be met if I leave this job? Like, will I have money to pay my bills and eat and all of this stuff? And I chose the answer was yes. And I was like, well, how do I know? And I was like, well, when I quit jobs in prior years, I had money and I was able to eat and I was able to do all the things. And um, it didn't always come in the form that I thought it would be like of another job or like a random check in the mail, but it came through like just people who wanted to pour into my life and my parents being generous and my husband and all the different things. And so I use like past miracles as evidence of future truths. And so, for example, opening up, taking up space. Um, this, this community means so much to me and I poured a lot into it. And when I was deciding to make it more than just an Instagram a page, when I decided to make it into a website and a podcast and a, and, a, and a wellness home, I was like, how do I know that this is going to work? Because last year, when I started my virtual assistant business, I had no VA training, no past clients. I was just like, hey, y'all, I'm a VA now. If you need help, like come holla at your girl. And within two months, my books were filled and I wasn't able to accept clients until like right now today. Like my client, my calendar filled up so quickly. And this is not to say that like I was the best VA in the world or anything. But what I'm saying is that I have trusted so much in like the visions that I've received and the gifts that I have. And they've never failed me. I have never, by the grace of God, I've never been homeless. I mean, I have gone without power and I've gone without groceries, but I'm alive. And to me, like, that's a win. And so when, when I'm cultivating self-trust, I look back at previous times of when else have I made a hard or a, a tough decision? Did that thing work out? Yes or no? Yes. Okay. We're going to do that again, but how can we even in, improve our odds of it working out this time? Yeah. And that kind of, I mean, it kind of saves you time. Like you're just like, you don't have to waste time overthinking. And again, that self-sabotage kicking in where it's like, you're going to do it or you're not. And then if, if it doesn't right. work out, you move forward, <laughs> pick up the pieces and we'll get through it. Like that's just part of life. Cause I spend so much time. And by the time I make a decision, I'm burnt out. already. Yeah. Yeah. And like you said, saving yourself that time, because either you're going to do it and it's going to work out how it has before and from getting to know you from Instagram, it looks like you've done plenty of things that have worked out before. So you have pre plenty of evidence that things are moving in your favor. So you're either going to do it and it's going to work or you're not, or you're not going to do it 
or you're going to do it and it doesn't work and you use those pieces to learn for the next time. So either way, like all around, it's a, it's a win. It's just like, what kind of win do you want this time? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Well, thank you, Rosalind. That was amazing. I think I, I can talk to you for so many more hours, but I know we're both. I know this is great. <laughs> You're amazing. Um, but I would love if you could share maybe a journal prompt or two that you've been loving or just something for self-awareness or self-love or anything that we really talked about. Um, if you could share it for our listeners to try out during their next writing session. Okay. Yeah. So since we are moving into new year, new energy, I would love for all of us to think about like, what are some new things that we want to experience? Like let's like make room for, for like miracles and magic. And so a journal prompt that I want to leave us with is it's more of a, like a fill in the blank um, is I would love to see magic in the form of blank and fill in your blank. And this is exciting for me because one thing that I did when I was moving from job to job and then eventually entrepreneur is I had to like imagine myself as that person and having those things because if I never saw them, then I feel like it wasn't possible for me. It was, it was out of reach. It doesn't exist. Right. So by this journal prompt, I hope that we can begin to see new possibilities for ourselves new magic, new love, new travel, new money, whatever it is that you've never seen before that you want to see, write that down. So I want to see magic in the form of blank and write down as many things you think about because magic is, it's endless. It's literally magic. So whatever you want to see, hit the limits off, allow yourself to dream and write out what you want to see for this year. Yes, that's beautiful. I can't wait. I'm going to start tomorrow because I think that's so powerful. Like let's start creating our own magic and visualizing it and showing up for ourselves. So thank you so much, Rosalind. Um, I would love to hear where we can find you, where we can follow along for this positive and abundant energy. Yes. Well, first I want to say thank you. This was like such an amazing conversation and so nourishing to me and I just learned so much from even like talking to you so thank you for inviting me and it was like such a pleasure you can find me at we are taking up space on Instagram and all of my offerings at we are taking up space.com and on Instagram at the soulful guide I look forward to seeing and working with all of you Yay, I know they're going to love you and you're honestly just a bundle of energy and I really think we should do this more often because I just feel at peace. So thank you again. Seriously, we really should. You were amazing. Thank you so, so, so much. Of course. Anytime, Rosalind. Bye. Thanks for listening to Grow With The Flow podcast. If you haven't already, be sure to subscribe for your bi-weekly dose of motivation and inspiration, highlighting successful women of color living a successful, unapologetic life both professionally and personally. Don't forget to leave a review, share the episode with a friend, or if you can't wait until the next episode, catch up with me on Instagram at Grow With The Flow Podcast or at Itzy Canales. 